Welcome now to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. You heard there a song from a great old Broads for Wilderness. We're going to introduce you to this organization today. The organization began in 1989 on the 25th anniversary of the Wilderness Act, uh, started by a feisty bunch of lady hikers who wanted to refute Senator Hatch's notion that wilderness is inaccessible to elders. About that time, 89, wilderness designation had been proposed for Escalante. Senator Hatch opposed it, saying, if for no other reason we need roads for the aged and infirmed. And uh, so the activists were outraged. They saw that an important voice was missing from the environmental movement, older women. They committed themselves to grassroots advocacy to preserve wilderness and wild places for future generations. We're going to introduce you to uh, several members of the group uh, today. And we bring in right now uh, Lauren Beretich, uh, Grassroots Leadership and Advocacy Coordinator. Um, Lauren, welcome to the program. Am I saying your name correctly? Yes, you are. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We also uh, bring in uh, Shelley Silbert, who's Executive Director. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. It's great to be here. So that's that's very interesting. Let me start with you, Shelley. Um, this, I guess, uh, Senator Hatch has the honor of uh, at least being the spur to, to the beginning of this group. That's exactly right. He might not be so pleased to know that, but actually it was his comment around the time of the 25th anniversary of the Wilderness Act that it was not, wilderness was not a value to the elderly and disabled that made a group of five women who were hiking in the Escalante decide, hey, wait a minute, we need to have a voice in this because we are here, we love being out in the wilderness. There are many older women and older people and all kinds of Americans who really see wilderness as an important part of America. Um, Actually, we like to think of it as America's refuge. Um, And that is something that they decided, you know, was needed, a voice of older women showing that whether they could access the wilderness or not, they felt it was very important that their voices were heard about the significance of these public lands. And they they saw, I guess, a void here that that their voices were not being heard. That's right. In fact, it was exactly the opposite. People were saying that the elderly couldn't access wilderness, and so they were using them as an excuse to not designate more wilderness and to say that roadless areas were actually something that was, was not of value to the American public. So they decided, being, being hikers, being um, very feisty women, women who wanted to be involved in the democratic process, that they wanted to form an organization that would represent an older voice and the millions of Americans who want to see public lands protected. Lauren Bertich, um wanted to direct this question to you. Um, the name. I, when I learned about your organization at, and you know, knew that we were going to have you on the air, I wondered if I could repeatedly say Great Old Broads for Wilderness. So, uh, <laughs> how did the name came, come about? That's a, great, that's a great question. So Great Old Broads for Wilderness came from, uh, you know, those earlier days of women hiking in the wilderness and enjoying our public lands, coming out and looking sweaty and having had a really great hike. And someone said, well, look at them. They are great, a bunch of great old broads. And <laughs> it really stuck for us. We really found that 
that name labeled us with um, humor and uh, a fierce sense of unity and um, that is how we go about our work is through this uh, beautiful, passionate, but yet humorous and fun way of really organizing and protecting our public lands together. Are there men in the group? There are men in our group. And, you know, we always say broadness is a state of mind. <laughs> <laughs> We're inclusive and we have a great, um, a great group of partners and supporters, friends, and members that are men, and we call them our great old bros. The bros. Okay, very good. Um, what, uh, let me turn back to Shelley uh, Silbert. Uh, where, where are the chapters? Is it located mostly in the West? Where, where are the chapters? We are right now located primarily in the West, though we do have chapters in other parts of the country, like in Minnesota and in Maine and Florida. Um, we actually now have about three dozen what we call broadbands, that is the name for our local chapters, bands of broads, um, who are out there working on their local public lands issues, getting to know the lands where they live, doing stewardship projects, working with public agencies, getting out and hiking, and just learning everything they can about these areas. And then whenever there is a public process to determine what should happen on our public lands, um, they're out there working in that process and making comments, work, writing letters, getting out on the land and doing projects, and doing everything they can to ensure that their voices are heard about the significance of protecting um, these roadless areas. Areas. Lauren Bertich, what, what are the top goals? What are the, what are the top issues? Great That's a great question. On. So each of our local broadbands are active and on the ground for their local issues. So they they um, are uh, they vary, and um, but what but the major goal is around healthy public lands, climate action, uh, responsible and or. Uh, or no grazing in specific areas. Uh, we are working on development in oil, gas, and mineral um, uh, drilling. We look also at roads and areas where we could protect our areas from more roads or closing of roads. And then lastly, we, we love the idea of wilderness designation as well. So. Our broadbands vary in their areas of interest um, and focus areas. Each group determines that together and and works to um, to solve that through grassroots organizing and democratic action. Thomas, I might add yes. in, we really work around the frame of healthy public lands. So we work to look at what situations there are that might be damaging to the um, the ecosystem health and the overall um, value of our public lands. So we might be looking at protecting them from any kind of damaging act activity, whether that be um, impacts on riparian or um, streamside systems, whether it might be impacts on a forest, on grasslands, whatever we can do to ensure that our lands remain healthy, both for our own um, activity there in terms of hiking and camping and fishing and, and hunting or whatever people enjoy doing on public lands, um, but also making sure that those lands are, are remaining intact and the, the systems are remaining healthy. I want to ask each of you, um, uh, I don't know, your kind of personal reaction to, to, to wilderness, to, to land, to, to outdoors. Uh, I'm guessing there has to be a, a personal affinity there to get you involved with a group like this. 
Let me let me start with uh, Shelley Silbert on this one. Absolutely. I have always found that I have such a sense of solace and renewal and just a real sense of how small I am in relation to the entire world when I'm out on um, our public lands and wild areas. Um, it brings me kind of a, a sense of respite from just the everyday craziness, the activities that we're involved in, in in work. And for many, many years, I've been a hiker and a backpacker and um, just enjoy getting out um, on our public lands with my family and with my friends. It just is um, really been a significant part of who I've, I've been since I was a child, getting out and recognizing that when I was out at night under the stars, I felt, you know, very, very peaceful. And it was just different than in other parts of, of my life. And I knew that it was something I personally needed um, as, my, as my entire makeup. It was just such a significant thing for me to be outdoors. I think many people feel that way. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I grew up on the East Coast where uh, a lot of public and open space was difficult to find in New Jersey, and uh, I went to Stoke State Forest in New Jersey as a sixth grader and found a deep, intense joy and sense of peace in that natural setting and thought, I am at home and have done everything since then to create a life where I can be in these beautiful natural settings, away from people, away from a hustle and bustle, uh, a, a place where I can think and run and hike and explore and root into, um, root into ourselves and our um, and our appreciation for these beautiful places. It's just always been near and dear to my heart. Lauren, I wanted to ask you, since you're from back east, um, I, I think maybe you can help us understand this. Uh, a lot of times, and it's it's more especially people who oppose expanding wilderness. Uh, uh, I guess they they chafe at people from back east uh, even having a say in this. You know, it's it's we live here is is the is the attitude, and you know don't don't butt your nose in. I'm mixing metaphors there. Don't stick your nose in. Uh, so I wonder for for people uh, back east, it's 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 an ideal, I suppose. And, and what would you say? That's a really good question. You know, um, our organization, and I personally believe in public lands for all Americans. Um, there are multiple uses for these, and if they are used responsibly, we want everybody to be out on those lands enjoying them. Um, this is not an exclusive uh conservation movement and a very inclusive conservation movement and involves community members, families. Um, I, f- I feel as if this should be something that's enjoyed by all and we know the impacts of what happens when many people are exposed to these beautiful places and, and um, have the opportunities to responsibly but enjoy recreation in these areas to hike in them, to bring their families to these places, to find a different, uh, I guess I would say, a different way of life, even if it's just for an afternoon or an evening under the stars camping. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we will uh, continue through the hour as uh, Lauren Beretich, uh, Beretich, uh, rather, with Grassroots Leadership and Advocacy Coordinator, and uh, Shelley Silbert, Executive Director of Great Old Broads for Wilderness. We're introducing you to the group. Um, later in the program, we'll be talking with Rinda Clark, 
with Grannies Against Bullies. She's with the Oregon Broadband of the group. And we'll be talking with Chris uh, Gorzalski and Ronnie Egan with uh, St. George Southwest Utah Broadband. Uh, coming up, following the break, we'll be introduced you to Kelly Fanko, who's with the Salt Lake City chapter, Wasatch Broadband of Great Old Broads for Wilderness. Hope you stay tuned. You can uh, join the program here at upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. More following the break. This is Management Minute by Professor Scott Hammond. What kind of leader is best is a national debate in a presidential election year. The media generally favors a brash, vocal, audacious person who claims to have the answers. But history favors humility. Most presidents, business leaders, and church and civic leaders face unique problems every day. They need to be humble enough to ask for experts, to seek advice, to clarify the best course of action. While we need leaders who see the big picture, we also need leaders who can ask the right questions and move us forward to the next set of problems. The Management Minute is brought to you by our members and the USU Shingo MBA program at the John M. Huntsman School of Business, a 15-month graduate degree for executives giving knowledge and skills to leverage the principles and tools of lean continuous improvement. Huntsman.usu.edu. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah today. I'm Tom Williams. Great Old Broads for Wilderness began in 1989. Uh, it was the 25th anniversary of the Wilderness Act. This was a reaction to a comment from Senator Orrin Hatch. He was opposing wilderness designation for the Escalante, and he said, uh, if for no other reason, we need roads for the aged and infirmed. And so the founder of the group and her fellow a- activists uh, saw that there was, uh, in their view, uh, a need for... Uh, their voices to be heard. They founded Great Old Broads for Wilderness, and uh, they committed themselves to grassroots advocacy to preserve wilderness, wild places for future generations. And we're talking with uh, Lauren Beretich and Shelley Silbert from the group. And now we bring in Kelly Fanko from uh, the Salt Lake City chapter of Great Old Broads for Wilderness. Uh, Kelly, welcome to the program. Am I saying your last name correctly? Yes, you're doing great. Thank you, Todd. It's wonderful to be here. It's it's good to have you uh, have you with us. Uh, so, um, what is the Salt Lake City chapter focusing on? Well, let's see. First of all, um, I would like to clarify that it's the Greater Wasatch Broadband, okay. and we draw our members all the way from Ogden to Provo. So we have very many issues that we're able to work within that scope. Uh, We have been fighting the Snowbird expansion. We have also been working on issues associated with the Public Lands Initiative, which has been proposed by Rob Bishop in Washington, D.C. And uh, we have also been very involved in the Keep It in the Ground movement. In fact, that was one of our last activities. We grouped uh, with other other coalitions and participated in a rally against the Gaston oil lease auction that was down at the Salt Palace. Uh, We were all just mortified when we saw that uh, in these parcels of land that were being auctioned, some of them went for $2 an acre. And anyway, we were happy to see that uh, one of our... uh, one of our friends, Terry Tempest, was able to get a, a parcel uh, to, to save for for future energy, as it, as it were. But, um, I mean, we were escorted out of the room um, 
as observers, and and it just really brought home to us how important it is for our voice to be heard. Utah. Is, has a very centralized power base. And one of the reasons I really love the Great Old Broads is that it's grassroots work, and we make sure that people's voices are heard. You you say you were escorted out of the room as observers? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, Terry Temps yes, Williams, we I guess, was, was allowed to, to bid, and she did purchase some parcels, I, I think. Yes, she did. And, and we were absolutely thrilled with that and, and kind of inspired with uh, ideas for the future uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you, you're going to get more people to purchase parcels? Is that what you want to do? Or? Well, you know, it was like a, I, there's a lot of ideas. You know, who knows who knows what direction that you can go when you get this many uh, creative people filled with passion, committed to uh, preserving the wilderness, preserving uh, health, and and ensuring that our future generations will have access to things that I think we have come to take for granted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we are talking with members of Great Old Bras for Wilderness, and uh, we have with us uh, Lauren Baratich, uh, Shelley Silbert, and right now we're talking with Kelly Fanko, who's with the Greater Wasatch Broadband. Uh, Kelly Fanko, I'm interested in your personal story. Uh, uh, tell me about your experiences uh, w- with the land in the outdoors that, that has led you to activism through Great Old Broads for Wilderness? Well, I love to talk about the wilderness because I, I love the wilderness. I have been an avid outdoors woman, uh, climber, you know, sometimes hardcore, uh, you know, for all of my age, ice climbing and uh, hiking miles and miles um, in various types of lands, various types of, of designations. I experienced a great deal, like Lauren, a great deal of, of peace and mind and, and restoration and a growing of creative energies as well uh, in, my, in my time in the wilderness. And um, also, as I have spent time in the wilderness, when I first started spending time in the wilderness, I embraced it as the unchangeable, and it was kind of a, a, a spiritual connection for me to um, to things that seemed infinite. But as time goes on, I have just become more aware of how finite uh, these wilderness resources are. And, um, you know, for instance, I, I used to think that uh, the, that public lands were you know, sponges that, you know, would suck up all of the, all of the carbon uh, that is attributing to our global climate change. But, um, you know, as I've become more educated and in my work with uh, Great Old Broads, I've come to learn that, uh, that we actually emit with all of the extraction in, in our public lands, we emit four and a half times more carbon than we are actually absorbing in our public lands. So um, anyway, those are those are some of the ideas that I'm that I I work with as as far as as wilderness. And um, I do want to underscore again the idea of of health. Um, many of our members are in the the Salt Lake Valley, and. The air here, it's no secret, the air here is really bad. Our children are suffering from, you know, worse health than uh, than many other children in the United States. And 
I have chronic sinus infections. I'm fighting one right now. So when it comes right down to how I live my everyday life, I I am fighting um, the you know fossil fuels and and the misuse of wilderness. Uh, you know sometimes just from you know a very a very physical, a very very passionate place of, of survival. Well, we uh, reached the uh, end of time for this uh, segment. We appreciate very much uh, Kelly Fanko from the Greater Wasatch Broadband uh, joining us. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And we uh, we have with us for the hour uh, Lauren Baratich, who's grassroots leadership and advocacy coordinator, and Shelley Silbert, executive director. Uh, coming up, we're going to be talking with Chris Gorzalski and Ronnie Egan from the St. Uh, George Southwest Utah Broadband. And uh, finally in the program, we'll be talking with Rinda Clark with the Oregon Broadband. Uh, I wonder, uh, Shelley Silbert, what's... I'm curious about the cross-section of, of, of members of uh, gender, ages... Is it, is it a full cross section, or you would imagine Great Old Broad's Wilderness would be, um, you know, women more mature women? But uh, what's the cross section? Right. Well, we are a women-led organization, and all of our broadband leaders um, across the country are women. But we have lots of men involved with us, both as members and supporters, and getting out there on the ground with us um, in stewardship projects and in um, public meetings and rallies. Um, we we do have a very active contingent of men because they find that our organization is really genuine, and that it, it also is an organization that believes in um, protecting wild public lands, but having fun while doing it. So they, they enjoy that part of it as well. We're also very intergenerational in that we, we welcome and we enjoy having younger people involved. We work quite a lot with different groups um, in projects on the ground of younger, younger people, um, whether it be AmeriCorps, Southwest Conservation Corps, various different organizations that we work with. And we always welcome um, interns. We welcome uh, younger people to be members or to be engaged with us in whatever way they might like to be. So our membership is, is um, certainly dominated by older women, but we are a very inclusive organization, and we love having everyone involved. Lauren uh, Beretich, uh, um, I believe I know the answer to this, but let me ask you anyway. What's the position of Great Old Broad's Wilderness on a potential Bears Ears National Monument? <laughs> well, we're actually having a broad walk there this year, and we are thrilled about this movement forward. Uh, we really want to see those lands protected for many, many, many generations to come. Very good. We bring in now um, the members of the St. George Southwest Utah Broadband of the Great Old Broads for Wilderness. Chris uh, Grosowski joins us. Thanks for joining us. Well, good morning. Thank good, you. Good morning. And Ronnie Egan joins us. Thank you. Good morning. Thanks for inviting us. Let me start with Chris Grosowski. What's uh, St. George Southwest Utah Broadband um, focusing most on? Well, our broadband is actually a fairly new broadband. We've only been going for about a year in that, so it's been kind of a whirlwind for me, to tell you the truth. Um, we've been very um, involved in our NCAs over here. They have a, a resource management plan that is up, and it has been kind of a point of contention in the Utah <laughs> politics around here. We had a congressional subcommittee hearing that that occurred in St. George, and they kind of dipped us in the water pretty fast, right, Ronnie? 
<laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> dipped you in the water? What 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 do you mean, Ronnie? Ronnie, well, do you want to um, say something about that? <laughs> sure. Uh, it it was advertised as a listening session by uh, Representative Chris Stewart. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, a number of us realized that the only people on the agenda were invited county commissioners and uh, local ranchers and various business people and stuff. And there was nobody on the uh, agenda for speaking up in favor of public lands. The deck was pretty stacked. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So a couple of us signed up. We didn't realize it was possible to do that. We just called the office and said, we think there ought to be somebody else, and they actually allowed us to speak. So uh, luckily, wild places and, and public lands in general um, had a little bit of a representation at that listening session, but otherwise it was pretty uh, pretty one-sided. Yeah. I wonder, Ronnie, if I could have you respond to uh, to a couple of arguments that I hear often you, and that you maybe heard at the, that hearing, uh, that meeting, uh, which is if we designate more wilderness, we are potentially harming economic livelihood for, for people who've been there for, for a long time. Well, <laughs> um, in fact... Certainly, there are people who engage in ranching all over the West on public lands. <clears throat> in many, many cases, the uh, the income derived from ranching is minor compared to other business endeavors that uh, that these folks are engaged in. For instance, Clive and Bundy is actually a melon farmer, <laughs> um, and they. <laughs> They really don't account for much of the U.S. beef production. It's less than 3% of the beef we consume in this country uh, spends any time on public lands. So um, we feel that that there is ample opportunity for sustainable ranching practices, but uh, it doesn't need to be everywhere all the time, and that seems to be what uh, a lot of the sentiment in uh, – in the state of Utah is. Uh, another uh, key argument is, and, and a battle is, over uh, enjoyment of, of the land. And it, it goes back to Senator Hatch saying that, uh, you know, we need to roads for the aged and infirm. That's the whole genesis of the organization. Let me direct this again at, at Ronnie. Um, so we want as many people as possible enjoying the lands while at the same time protecting them. I wonder where that balance ought to be. Right. Yes, and of course, there's there's plenty of room for all of us out there, and sustainably uh, practiced grazing or mining or logging uh, or motorized recreation goes hand-in-hand hand with sustainable um, wildlands or just open public lands. But um, there is a move afoot, of course, in, in Utah right now with the Public Lands Initiative to, quote-unquote, take back the public lands, uh, and we just don't have time to go into all the legal ramifications of that argument, but uh, it's a specious argument, and uh, it's it's simply not going to fly. So, and, and that would, in fact, uh, quote-unquote, lock a lot of gates to, to recreationists, hunters, fishers, hikers, you know, because uh, the state can't afford to 
to manage those lands as far as anybody can tell. So chances are it would get sold off. Let me, I, I want to get to personal story. I'll start with the Chris Grozowski on this. I'm interested how uh, how you personally got, you know, got into the outdoors and, and, and your journey then to from that uh, activism. Well, I've always been a big hiker and backpacker like a lot of us have been. And um, we moved out to Utah seven years ago. And just as you were talking earlier in the program, coming from the east, we were from Wisconsin, and a lot of the land over there is just all private. Not used to being able to go to all these wonderful public areas, and the more you go to them, the more you love them. And then you see the ATV tracks, and you see the shotgun shells, the target practice things. It, you, it easily comes to you that you should protect this, that other people should have this in the future and not destroy it. What did you? I'm curious, what did you think when you first came out? Uh, it's drier maybe less green than wisconsin what but beautiful in its own way what did you think well and and no mosquitoes for sure (laughs) okay that's an advantage yeah 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 but um no i i really never expected to love the desert as much as i do it's just an amazing place um greener yeah it's greener in wisconsin and that but there is such a variety of plant life and animal life here if you just look for it it doesn't come out and grab you sometimes you know but you just you just look for it, and it's there, and it's wonderful, and, and I really hope that we can protect it mm-hmm. for future generations. The St. George area is growing so fast, and like our NCAs are so close to urban areas that we just have to put some protections there for it. And like recently, they want to put a road through it, and you know what a road is going to do? I mean, this is a highway that they're talking about putting through an area protection for desert tortoises. It just doesn't make sense. Let me. Uh, I want to get a personal story from Ronnie Egan. What? Uh, how did you get involved in in the outdoors and then journey to activism? Right. Um, my family maintained a uh, guest ranch in northern New Mexico for almost thirty years, and uh, I ran the horse operation there. So I've been a guide and outfitter for uh, most of my adult life, and when I got to the point where that was an awful lot of work for an old lady. I <laughs> I took the job as executive director with Great Old Broads for Wilderness, which got me out to a lot of different wild places that I hadn't been to before. So I have a, a long history of working. Actually, I worked in, in southern Utah quite a bit on horse trips for Outward Bound and for Pack Creek Ranch outside of Moab. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Beautiful areas there, yeah. Yes, indeed. Well, we uh, and now I live in Teasdale. Oh, which oh, is beautiful. Where my, that's that's where my heart uh, has always wanted to live. It's right here in Capitol Reef. Yeah, so. I love love <laughs> love Wayne County and Capitol Reef area. That's a beautiful area. Yes, indeed. Well, we've reached the end of uh, this segment. We've been talking with Chris Grozalski and Ronnie Egan. They're with the St. George Southwest Utah Broadband of Great Old Broads for Wilderness. Uh, thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks. And uh, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue with Lauren Baratich, uh, with, uh, uh, who's Grassroots Leadership and Advocacy Coordinator, and Shelley Silbert, who's Executive Director for Red Old Broads for Wilderness. And we'll bring in Rinda Clark, who's with Grannies Against Bullies. She's with the Oregon Broadband, and she's been involved with protests against the occupation of uh, Malheur um, Wildlife Refuge uh, up in uh, Oregon. We'll get her very interesting story and uh, talk more about Great Old Broads for Wilderness following the break. 
tray, travel, and global warming raise the risk of diseases like the Zika virus for humans and also help spread deadly fungal diseases that threaten wildlife. We are bringing together these evolutionary lineages that have been separated for tens of millions of years, and we are getting a lot of nasty surprises. Bats, amphibians, and snakes at risk. I'm Steve Kerwood, and that's next time on Living on Earth from PRI. Make your membership contribution today and join us Wednesday morning at 10 on Utah Public Radio. I'm Jeremy Hobson. Diplomat Dennis Ross has been advising presidents on the Middle East for decades, from Israel to Iran to Syria. If we leave a vacuum, it's going to be filled. And when it gets filled, it's going to be filled by forces we're not going to be too happy to deal with. We'll get his thoughts on Iraq, Syria, and more. That's next time on Here and Now. Pledge your membership and join us Wednesday morning at 11 on Utah Public Radio. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Great Old Broads for Wilderness is the organization we're focusing on today. They began in 1989, uh, the 25th anniversary of the Wilderness Act. A feisty bunch of lady hikers, as they say, who wanted to refute Senator Hatch's notion that wilderness is inaccessible to elders. And so they committed themselves to grassroots advocacy to produce, uh, pre- preserve wilderness and wild places for future generations. And we're talking with the grassroots leadership and advocacy coordinator, Lauren Baratich, and also Shelley Silbert, executive director. And we're going to be bringing in Rinda Clark, who is with the Oregon Broadband of uh, Great Old Broads for Wilderness. Before we go to Rinda Clark, I want to uh, bring in uh, Lauren and Shelley again. Lauren, I wonder this... Uh, Maybe a roadmap for the future. Terry Tempest Williams made uh, headlines by purchasing some uh, parcels of, of land and then declaring her intention to keep it in the ground. Is this something that's uh, going to be spreading, do you think, this this technique, tactic? That's a great question. You know, we saw this a few years ago with Tim DeChristopher and his acts um, uh, with sell- or buying... Um, buying land from the BLM as well, but that was just a civil act of disobedience. Um, But what it did was it paved the path for a conversation around uh, keeping it in the ground, protecting our public lands, and responsible use of fossil fuels um, instead of finding more fossil fuel if we could reduce and reuse what we have look into renewable energy and multiple alternatives to selling off millions of acres for this type of development. Um, I think that we will continue to see pressure on this, especially with climate change and the pressures with um, our climate disturbance, the way that we're experiencing that these days. Uh, Shelley Silbert, climate change, I I think that's on the agenda of most of the chapters. Yes, that's right. It's kind of a new area for us in the last few years, recognizing how significant the threat of climate disruption is for the entire world and how much it impacts us across America and particularly in the the West, um, where we have some of the um, highest temperatures in areas like the Rocky Mountains that are predicted for the future, um, disruption of precipitation patterns and um, problems that are going to affect all of us, whether we live in cities or whether we are farmers or whether we are ranchers, we are all going to be impacted greatly by climate disruption. 
Um, as a result of that, we developed um, a new part of our program and a new position statement, and we called this part of our program Wild Care, wild meaning women in loving defense, um, and actually working on actions on our public lands that will help us mitigate the effects of climate change. And those will be things such as looking at, you know, how should we be developing uh, or not developing our public lands. Right now, 25% of our greenhouse gas emissions in this country come from our public lands because of the extent of extraction of oil and gas, because of coal mining, and because of other activities on public lands. So we are really looking at, you know, what are those activities that are increasing greenhouse gas emissions, and what can we do to protect our forests, which are carbon sinks, our grasslands, and um, what can we do to protect our water supplies? Our water is so important. We all need water to survive, and yet um, the disruption of our public lands also affects our, our streams, our wetlands, um, the ability of us, uh, for us to be able to produce water in the future in a time where drought is going to be, become a more regular part of our lives. Let's bring in now uh, Rinda Clark, who is with the Oregon Broadband of Great Old Broads for Wilderness. So Rinda Clark, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. You're also with uh, Grannies Against Bullies. Understand what's what's that? Well, actually, Grannies and Bullies was a theme that we created in response to the Mothier occupation. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. We have an yeah, we have an activist here, Alice Elshoff, who's 81 years old, a Great Old Broad, and has been involved in a lot of uh, activist and protection of public lands in Oregon uh, for her entire life. And, uh, you know, when Mall here was first occupied, we all waited uh, to see what was going to happen. We hit the pause button. But after seven or nine days, um, Alice said, it's time for our voices to be heard. Uh, so yeah, very she good. came up yeah. with the uh, theme of Grannies Against Bullies, and we organized a rally around that theme. Uh, I want you to talk a bit about that, uh, the, the, the rallies and such, the protests uh, up there. Very interesting. Uh, I'm uh, quoting now from an article from Outdoor Magazine on this. Uh, the writer says, Armed with assault hand mixers, tactical rolling pins, and signs with all the words spelled correctly, the old broads gathered in outside the bike shop, etc., etc. Um, uh, tell me about that. Uh, the, those protests. Well, you know... One of the things I love about the Great Old Broads is that we can bring humor into a discussion. We don't have to use guns to make our voices heard. And so when we thought about the messaging that we really wanted to send to the occupiers at Mall here, it was that we can speak our voices, we can have our truth, we can talk about protection of public lands um, with you know wooden spoons and our voices and our songs and our rallies. So we hosted the first rally, which... Um, as I said, the theme was Grannies Against Bullies, and we had about 300 uh, people who came to the plaza and in support of public lands, including uh, some people from the ranching community. And then shortly thereafter, the following Tuesday, there were six rallies that were sponsored in a four-state area, uh, also in support of public lands. You're quoted as saying at that rally, it's time to take to the streets, and we all know how to do that at our age. What are you talking about there? (laughs) Well, you know, some of us were around in the 70s, and -hmm. then, you know, for me, I went off and had, you know, a quiet, normal career, got busy raising my family, and 
now I'm in my early 60s, retired, and I have some time to refocus on the things that are really important to me. And um, a lot of women my age do. So, uh, you know, we took to the streets uh, in the 70s, and we can take to the streets again. Uh, and that's an interesting uh, point. You, uh, and I don't know if, if that's typical of the people, at least in the, in the Oregon broadband um, you, you maybe had an activist past, went and raised your families, or had your had your life, and now you're returning you know, to I activism. We, yeah, I think we have a good mix of both. I, I think, you know, young people tend to be uh, idealistic, at least I was, and had more time on my hands. Um, I got busy with, you know, doing it all, which my generation was told we could, and we tried. Um, and then, uh, you know, now it's a time for reflection, but there are also a lot of people in my chapter who have been activists from, you know, day one, who uh, saw the importance of this and dedicated their lives and their careers to it. So having been there, I'm curious, during the, the occupation at Malheur, um, what was the general sentiment? How, how, you know, how, what percentage do you think supported Ammon Bundy and, and his group, and what percentage were opposing? You know, it's difficult to say. We've had a lot of communications with people who actually lived in Harney County, and I can tell you when, um, you know, your community is threatened and when, you know, your name is being called out and when you feel like you have to have a gun by your front door uh, for your own protection, that it's not uh, easy to speak out on what you truly believe. And uh, so, you know, I think that there were a lot of people in Harney County who support public lands, um, they have an agreement that they that was years in the making that actually allows cattle uh, to graze on the refuge um, that was hammered out between, you know, all voices who participate in that community and are really a model for how collaboration can happen. So the fact that outsiders... Uh, the Bundys came in and took over the refuge, a lot of it just didn't make sense to that community or to the people in Oregon. Uh, and you said there were ranchers at the at your protest, your rally? Yes, we had our ranchers at the protest. And, you know, I think, you know, if you look at uh, the details of what happened, there weren't local ranchers who supported an armed occupation. I mean, we all have differences of opinion about how the land should be used, but it's not about, um, you know, uh, arming ourselves to make our voices heard. That's not a way for a discussion to happen. Mm-hmm. I wonder what you would say to the to the ranchers who perhaps supported, uh, maybe not per, the tactics that, that Ammon Bundy used, but the sentiment behind it, that, that the rules are changing on public lands, there are groups like yours pushing for the rules to change, and they're feeling like uh, a way of life is shifting. You know, I uh, don't feel qualified to um, speak to the ranchers necessarily, but what I've come to in my own conclusions is that, you know, when we do better, we know better. For example, you know, the settlers came out and settled these lands, extracted Extract, extraction, including logging and grazing and everything, was very necessary for the economy and for the country's development at the time. And we really didn't understand the impacts that it had on the land, that it had on the ecosystem, 
and that it had on the future for our children. And so, you know, I think it is a time of transition. It is a time of change. Uh, there are many ranchers who respect the land, who care for the land. Um, so, you know, I don't, you know, I don't see any enemies in this. I just see a time of shift and collaboration and change that's necessary for the health of our planet. Uh, Rinda Clark, I've been asking everyone. I want. I'm curious about your personal story, how, how you got uh, maybe in, involved personally in these issues and then removed to activism? Well, you know, I grew up in uh, New Mexico and Colorado uh, in a hunting family, a fishing family, a camping family, and um, so I loved the wilderness from a very, very young age. And like I said, I lived in an urban environment, San Diego, for a number of years, uh, while I had my career, and then reconnected with the wilderness nine years ago when I moved to uh, Central Oregon. So, you know, my love for the wilderness when I came back up here, uh, I really didn't understand uh, that it was being threatened, that we had overused it um, and abused it. And so once I connected those dots, um, I was very happy to get involved with the great old broads, um, you know, just from the perspective of their messaging and the fact that we introduce humor and fun into uh, everything we do. We are just about the end of the program. I want to give uh, 30 seconds each to uh, Lauren Baratich and, and, and Shelley uh, Silbert. In, in that order, uh, maybe a concluding word. What would you want to say about Great Old Broads? Yes, thank you. Uh, we have such an incredible opportunity to do so much good to protect our wildlife and our wild lands. We can do this not only through activism and advocacy, but through stewardship, volunteerism, partnerships, and collaborations. We're an organization that gets people out on the ground. We empower them. We provide collective action. Uh, we provide resources to our federal agency partners who are just hurting for funding and people out on the ground. Um, we are open for and committed to empowering women to end men um, in an intergenerational community to join us, to have our voices heard, and to work collaboratively to save these lands that means so very much to so many people. Shelley Silbert, yeah, go ahead. I uh, will join you. And, and the website is uh, gridoldbroads.org. Uh, so that's the, the place to go. We've been talking with members of Great Old Broads for Wilderness. We've been uh, had on with this uh, Lauren Baratich, Grassroots Leadership and Advocacy Coordinator. Thank you so much. And uh, Shelley Silbert, Executive Director, thank you to you. And we've had Rinda Clark, who's with the Oregon Broadband, uh, with us as well. Thanks to everyone. We thank uh, Kelly Fanko from the uh, Greater Wasatch Broadband and Chris Grozowski and Ronnie Egan, who joined us from the St. George Southwest Utah Broadband of Great Old Broads for Wilderness. We're going to go out with uh, another portion of the, the song uh, with the uh, Great Old Broads uh, for Wilderness. And uh, tomorrow, I hope you'll uh, join me for a, a discussion. Um, we are... Uh, and going to be t treating a legislative topic uh, tomorrow. Thanks for joining us today. They're fighting through and strong to keep the ATVs on roads where they belong. They're sleeping underneath the stars, swimming naked in the streets. These feisty gray-haired ladies are following their dreams. 
Access Utah is a production of Utah Public Radio. You can listen to this episode or previous episodes of Access Utah anytime at upr.org, where you can find a link to subscribe to our podcast. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 Logan, KUSK HD1 Vernal, KUSL HD1 Richfield, KUST HD1 Moab, KCEU Price, and KUSU FM HD1 Logan.